Mental health is the number one priority of people entering the workplace. So if you're an employer, know that it's important to establish. And if you're a young person, you are a part of a pack and a group of people that are demanding this. This is the Work in Sports Podcast. Here's VP of Content and Engage Learning at WorkinSports.com, Brian Clapp. As most of you know, the normal routine on Mondays is that I answer a fan question. You guys and gals, write in to bclap at workinsports.com. Share your questions that will help you in your career, advancing, improving, doing better at interviews, mastering an interview, internship, whatever it is. You guys ask the questions. I try to answer them. But sometimes I try to reflect on something that's actually happening in the world of sports right now or just in the general job market because... I read a lot, something will strike me, and I want to riff on it a little bit. And so today is, is that. We don't have a fan question. We have a, a topic that I think is really important. So I read a study earlier this week published on Indeed. Now, Indeed is technically a competitor of ours, so I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about how great this survey is with Indeed. But interesting research is interesting research, so we'll give them credit. Okay, they conducted a survey of 1,200 currently or soon-to-be-employed 18 to 29 year olds. Now, when I talk about our market for this podcast, who are we talking to? Who's our target audience? I say 18 to 30 a lot of times. Now, there are people younger and there are people older. There are people that are career changers. There are people that are in high school, but that's a core, you know, 18 to 30 year olds who are trying to figure out their way in the industry, how to advance in their first job, how to get that first opportunity, mastering this process, et cetera. So this survey was focused in on 18 to 29 year olds that when they feel their employers value their mental health, their performance and loyalty at work increases. So let's dig in deeper. There's a lot of data in here, but I want to set that overarching kind of theme. This is 18 to 29 year olds talking about mental health in the workplace and how it is their number one priority. So get this, okay? Majority of the adults under 30 that they surveyed said that mental health is their number one priority in their job, which was ahead of financial security and personal relationships. This is a massive shift because when I was coming up in the industry, it was all about financial security. Not saying that I got it for a long time, but that was the number one focus of people that were trying to get into in that 18 to 30 year old range in the sports industry, in any industry was like, I'm working for financial security. The fact that it's shifted and that more people in that younger generation are saying to themselves, my mental health matters more than anything, I think is so interesting. Get this, a third, one third of the 18 to 29 year olds. So out of 1200 surveyed, one third would be around 400 math. A third of the 18 to 29 year olds have quit a job to support their mental health. What an empowering decision. I never would have done that in that phase because I didn't have that kind of strength. I honestly thought to myself, I can't quit this because then I will be ruined in this industry. Nobody will ever hire me again, which is crap. But that's the narrative we tell ourselves. A majority, 64% of younger employees working in what they consider to be a kind workplace find their work personally important to them and almost half are very satisfied with their work a kind workplace that's the bar that's the bar that we struggle to achieve in the the world not just the sports industry this is across a kind workplace makes a difference who would have thought that we need to still figure out how to have a kind workplace but let's keep going Almost three quarters, 
working within a company that they deem values their mental health, find their work personally important to them and are very satisfied with their work. So a kind workplace that the employers value their mental health is enough to make employees happy. And we struggle to make this happen. Okay, a little more perspective. A couple more, and then we're going to get into the actual actionable parts of this. You know me, I like to focus in on actionable advice. I want you to be able to walk away from this knowing what to do, where to focus, what to do next, that sort of thing. We're not just throwing out data at you today, but I need to build this foundation a little bit because I think the topic is so interesting. I think the need is so clear. So what leads to burnout and mental health issues? Another factor of the survey that we're, we're reading. So 28% have experienced a lack of adequate staffing within their workplace, and that led to a poor work-life balance and burnout. Okay, now now it feels like we're zeroing in on the sports industry. Not articulating that, but I know this from experience is that, yeah, lack of adequate staffing, high demands can result in quick burnout. It's just the way our, wor- our world is working, and that's not necess- that is not a good thing. I pulled from their list of, of workplace challenges that lead to burnout, the ones I thought of really applied to all of us in the sports industry. So lack of adequate staffing was number one. Inadequate pay. 24% said that they had experienced inadequate pay in their workplace. I mean, financial hardship is directly related to mental health issues. I remember the early parts of my career living check to check. And honestly, as I, when I first started out at CNN Sports Illustrated, moving to an entire new city, Atlanta, not a cheap place. And I was making under $20,000 a a year. And I know this is all like probably telling you too much, but just to give a little bit of perspective, when you worked out my rent, my bills, my food, my transportation, like all those kind of things, just commuting, that's just living. That's not doing crazy things. That's not going to the bars. That's not buying a lot of clothes. I was negative every month for the first year. That caused a lot of stress. That caused a lot of fear. That caused a lot of credit card debt that I knew would be there and sitting there waiting for me and kept thinking about that day that it would all start to even out, that it would all start to work out. That's not fair. That's not adequate. That's not a world we should create for people. If I want to bring in great people, if I want people to come in and grow with my organization and be dedicated and be loyal, I need to pay them. I need to give them the staff and the tools and the things to be successful. And the third one, third point on this, and then we'll get in, we'll get a little deeper. No time off when needed. 22% cited inability to get time off when needed as a workplace challenge that contributes to an overall unkind or toxic workplace. Does that feel familiar? Does that feel like the sports industry? Yeah, it does. We have seasonality that never seems to end. We have late nights, we have weekends, we have holidays. And sometimes when you say, I need a break, somebody says back to you, I can't give it to you. Because we have an inadequate staff and because we work at really uh, odd hours and odd times, I don't have any plan. I got nothing I can do, speaking as a manager. I've been there. I've been telling people that message. When I was the news director at Fox Sports Northwest, I'd have people work on Christmas Day. And I would always try to come in too, even though technically I didn't have to, but because I felt like I had to, like ethically. If I'm going to tell other people that they need to be there working, then I should at least show up for a little bit, at least be present, at least let them know they're supported. But that's not common in our industry. 
And that fits for a lot of situations and stresses in the industry. I know this is part of what we sign up for when we want to work in the sports industry, but that doesn't mean it's the be all end all and it can't, there's no solution to it. There are solutions. So let's be real. Burnout and mental health is a huge issue in the sports industry. Huge. But let's combine and talk through some of these concepts. There is a bigger push now more than ever to focus in on mental health in the sports industry. More teams, more leagues, more agencies, more organizations that I talk to are putting an effort there. So how do you identify those organizations before you start working there? That's what I think is one of the key processes here. A lot of you out there that are listening right now are the ones that are going to be looking for jobs in the industry or looking for your next job or unhappy right now in the job that you're currently in and and looking to get out for maybe some of these reasons. So how do you make sure you don't make the same mistake the next time? Okay, so that's one thing we're going to dive into next. And then that's putting a burden on the organization. That's looking at the organization saying, what are you going to do for me? What is your plan for me? Well, the other side of this is how do you protect yourself? What do you do for your own mental health? Because there's a limit to how much you can expect out of your organization. You want to see something structurally. You want to see some care and some kindness and all those things we're talking about. But that has a limit. And then you've got to be able to control some of that as well. So let's talk about those two things. First off, how do you find out company values? That that a company values your mental health before you start working for them. Okay, so the first and most obvious thing is to do your research. But I will tell you, a lot of people will say, go look at sites like Glassdoor and go look at sites like this one and that one where where employees and past employees are able to give anonymous feedback on what what it's like to work for an organization. I will tell you, Glassdoor, and I'm not just saying this because they, they'd be in our competitive set as well, but I think you get a lot of disgruntled employees and you don't know enough context, right? There could be a very good reason why they're not happy with that company. There could be a very good reason somebody got laid off or got fired or got demoted. And we don't know that. We only hear the one side of somebody saying this company is a mess. Their leadership stinks. Their decision-making is terrible. So I don't lean too far into those. I'm going to go about it a little bit differently than what I'm going to recommend to you. Um, I think you look at the, in your research, start to look at the organizational structure. Do they have a dedicated staff to health and wellness, HR, diversity? Do they have an ethics team? Do they have a development team? I, I met uh, Kitso Maribe Branch. I want to make sure I said her name correctly. That's why I was looking down if you're watching on the YouTube video. Kitso and I were talking at our booth and she works for the Atlanta Hawks She's the director of people development. Her job is to help people on the staff develop and grow. Okay. If I'm looking at organizations and considering working there and I'm doing some of my research and I'm looking into those people that the organizational structure and, and who's in what positions and how they're ranked within an organization. And I see that they have a department for people development shows they care. They're giving somebody dedicated to my growth whether that's in business, whether that's in mental health, whether that's in, you know, whatever, whatever training I need. So I think that's an am- amazing way to start to look and say, okay, how big is their HR department? Do they have a diversity program? Uh, do they have an ethics team? Do, are they dedicated? Do they have a health and wellness team? Right? So that's phase one. Number two in that regard is, does the company have benefits catered to mental health? Are there employee assistance programs, which could mean therapists that are available, that could mean grief counselors that are available, that could mean a lot of different things, but financial uh, advice and programs. 
do they provide stress reduction apps? At iHire, the company that is our parent company and uh, we merged with last year and is amazing company. And I've received more benefits from them, especially in this regard, than I ever had of any other organization I've ever worked for. But they make Headspace available to us for a, a meditation app, right? Maybe you've heard of it. We get a uh, gym membership. We get $500 a year towards health and fitness. Um, all these different things that can be provided. Fitbits, uh, onsite gyms, yoga classes. There are yoga classes part of IR. These are positive parts of a, of a healthy work environment, a kind work environment, a caring work environment. Start to identify those things in your process. Because remember, you're involved in this decision-making process of whether you want to take a job or work for a place. Okay. It's not just them. You get power too. And the final thing I'm going to bring up on this subject is you have to ask for what you need. You have to advocate for yourself. The interview process is a two-way street. They're trying to figure out if you match their needs. You need to figure out if they match your needs. You may think you don't have leverage and you may not as far as certain aspects of a job, but you do have leverage on your decision. Do you want to work there? You may not feel that because you're like, oh my gosh, is another opportunity going to come? Am I going to have another job like this? And they're the, they're the, you know, Boston Red Sox. And I couldn't imagine, I would love to work for them. I'm telling you, I had this exact situation with a absolute dream job that I got deep into, deep, deep, deep into. And in the end, ended up turning it down for exactly the reasons we're talking about today. I asked these kind of questions and did not like these responses I got. So in your interview process, ask what are the characteristics you value most in a prospective employee? When I asked that question, you know what answer I got back? Dedication, time commitment, loyalty. Now, I get all those things, but if that's how you're coming out of the gate, I interpret that as you want me to work whenever you want me to work. And that's not always sustainable. What would a typical day in my prospective position consist of? I asked that question and I was told there was an executive meeting at 10 in the morning. And you, as the VP of production, would have to be there during the final uh, studio production of the night. You know when that show ended? Midnight. So this person was telling me my shift was 14 hours a day and on call on weekends. If I didn't ask, I just took the job because it was my dream position. VP production for the regional sports network that I grew up watching religiously. If I didn't ask, and I just took the job. Uh, I'd probably be divorced right now and I wouldn't know my kids. <laughs> I'm being dramatic, but I'm being honest too. Okay. Three, ask, how do you value employee mental health and how do you handle burnout? Like come right out and ask. And if they can't give you their plan for that, they don't care. That's not a kind, caring environment. Final one, how important is culture to the overall organization and how would you characterize the culture currently? I mean, I asked these questions before, and I will tell you when I was, when, when work in sports was being acquired and I had meetings with the CEO of iHire and I sat down and talked to him and asked these kind of questions, his answers were caring. His answers were aware. His answers were empathetic. When I've done it at other positions, I've gotten back things like, yeah, uh, we value ratings. We value achievement. We value the grind. We value being there when needed, like things like that. And you're like, okay, do you give a crap about any of the people? So my point is you need to do your due diligence in this process. I'm not bashing the sports industry. I love the sports industry, but you need to do your due diligence. And sometimes these answers, you may be at a time in your life where you're like, this is exactly what I want. 
I want to grind. I want to work 14 hours a day. I want to be there every night. I want to be there every morning. I want to be making decisions. That's how I'm going to grow. Good for you. I felt that way early in my career and it helped me propel to a higher ranking to where I am now. I couldn't do that now. Other things in my life are there. Back then, maybe I could have. This is up to you, but you have to ask because you have to know. So be your own advocate. Second part of this conversation. So we talked about how do you learn about an organization to know if they care about mental health and, and, and you know, are a kind organization. Now, how do you protect your own mental health? How are you your own best advocate? How are you the one that makes sure that you're set up for success? Okay, I've given talks on this before. There are other podcast episodes where I've talked about mental health, but this time, rather than my own kind of thoughts, I wanted to lean into some research. So there are three things here, all based in research from smarter people than I am. Harvard Business Review. Those guys are, and gals are smart. My boy's wicked smart. Anyway, do things that separate you from your key work functions. So one of my, what I mean by this is one of my good friends is a doctor and he told me that be, after he finishes a intense surgery, he will play video games because it totally detaches him from the stress of what he just did. It's a totally different thing. It's like different parts of your brain that get engaged. For some people, it's reading. For some people, it's running, cooking, whatever it may be. But you need to mentally disconnect completely and switch off your thoughts of work. Research shows, okay, this is where I'm quoting the research, even thinking about work detracts from your ability to recover from it, okay? And the mere presence of your mobile phone distracts you, leaving you unable to detach from the office. So what we're talking about here is you need to figure out what your own personal separators are. Put the phone away. Do something completely different, right? Whatever that may be, detach from work. You are not work, right? You are a person. You are a being. You have other interests. Detach from it. Number two, take breaks during the day. So you work on a long shift. Okay. I make sure every day I go for a half an hour walk with my wife outside. We both work from home right now. Right. And so we take a half an hour to go walk outside, get a little fresh air, detach, talk a little bit, get a little bit of physical activity. And then we make meetings at I hire work in sports that are only blocked in 55 minutes. We do not do full hour meetings. We try our best to do 55 or 25 so that people will take a five minute decompression. Taking breaks throughout the day and separating yourself from the work environment is important. Research shows that micro breaks, short breaks of approximately 10 minutes taken during the workday are surprisingly effective for recovering from daily work stress and various job demands. I do it by walking, whatever you need to do. Uh, I'm not going to advocate a smoke break, but I do know when I was in the early phases of my career, that's what most people were doing. They're like, I'm going to take a 10 minute smoke break. Well, good for them. They took their break. I don't, I'm not advocating that. I don't think it's very healthy for you. I'd like to see you do some healthier things, but the point is taking a break here and there is, is extremely valuable. Third piece of research that I want to share physical activity versus passive activity. So, Research shows that more active activities can be even more effective for your mental recovery. If you don't enjoy going to the run, going to the gym or playing team sports, find something physical that does that you do enjoy. 
Maybe it's a walk. Maybe it's a hike. Maybe it's a swim. It doesn't have to be, you know, competing or going to the gym and, and, and throwing up some heavy weights like Nick Chubb. Did anybody see that video of him squatting 610 pounds? What the heck? That's not human. Anyway, like sitting in front of the TV, you would be surprised does not give you the recovery you think it does. We're talking active recovery versus passive recovery. Uh, Active recovery, doing something, passive recovery, sitting, vegging, just shutting off your mind, as you hear people say. The research shows that that's not as effective. So some sort of active uh, recovery, and it could be cooking. It could be taking a class. It could be gardening. It could be hiking. It could be whatever. But something that gets you moving a little bit will be much more effective in your recovery for mental health. What we're talking about here is that work is stressful no matter what's set up. Life is stressful, no matter what you do. So we're talking about recovery. How do you advocate for yourself and figure out those things that you need? Recover throughout the day, recover at night, recover with physical activity, do what you need to do and figure out what those triggers are that can make you feel reset is probably the right way to phrase it. Because as was stated in that research study, mental health is the number one priority of people entering the workplace. So if you're an employer, hear that, know that it's important to establish. And if you're a young person, know that that is a trend and that you can help. You are, you are part of a pack and a group of people that are demanding this. You're not alone. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. I love these conversations. I love the questions you guys all send in to me. So please continue to send them in. Bclap, C-L-A-P-P, at workinsports.com. You can email me. You can hit me up on LinkedIn. You can DM us on Twitter. However you want to get your question to me, get it here. Because I want to help. That's what we're here for. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'll see you on Wednesday.